Thank you. So, hey guys. All right, so we're doing um, the My Way series. Uh, I have candy up here. Who wants some candy? Does anyone know where the main verse is found that we've been doing? Besides you. No. Where is it found? Huh. <laughs> what? I don't know what that is. The main verse. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. No. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. No. Declares the Lord. As the, what? Oh, hi, McKenna. Yes. Do you know where? Oh. No, that's for John. Mm. There's some good stuff in here. Yes, Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. Who can tell me what we did last week? That's not my fault. No. Isaac, where were we last week? Were we talking about Jonah? Yeah. What did you talk about? And then? Huh? David. Yeah, David. Oh, come on. Oh, okay, okay. I'll... Huh? Eh, not that right now. Give you a question that you can answer? What am I talking about tonight? I know. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, Caitlin's right. I am talking about the story of Joseph. Uh, I really, really like this story. Uh, this is probably my favorite story growing up as a kid. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've really kind of gone through it more and more. And I really, really identify with some of the things Joseph went through and how he handled them was not how I would have handled them, but I take a lot of courage from the way that he uh, had a lot of, I faith's not the right word, but a lot of determination. And he was very uh, persistent through the entire thing. All right, so Joseph, if you don't know, was one of the sons of Jacob, or the sons of Israel. So in the Bible, we talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that's where the nation of Israel comes from. And uh, Joseph was one of Israel's favorites because he was born to him when he was older, and he was born to his favorite wife, who was Rachel. Uh, so... When Joseph was younger, he had a dream. And I'm going to read this dream to you. It's a little lengthy, but it's really, really important. It's in Genesis 37, 3 through 10. <clears throat> All right. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Because he had been born to him in his old age, he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So first off, right off the bat, I think this is just really, really interesting because, you know, when you ask your parents, especially when I ask my parents, you know, who's your favorite? I mean, I'm sure at one point everyone here has asked that. You're lying if you haven't. And, you know, they, they give you the mom and dad answer. Oh, I love all of you equally. 
Well, then you are the favorite. Congratulations. Oh. Did you just lie to me? Wow. All right. No, but he was obviously the favorite. I mean, his father made him an ornate robe, and his brother hated for him. Coat of many colors, depending upon what version you read, yes. So when his brothers saw their father love for him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his, to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. He told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father mother, or told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, I, I think it's really, really funny when you think about how, how this conversation would have went with 11 brothers. You know, imagine Joseph getting up in the morning and going to sit down at, I guess, their breakfast table and eating his oatmeal. And he's like, hey, hey, listen to this dream I had. He tells him the dream. Now, imagine if your sibling came up and told you this, that, hey, one day you're going to bow down before me, and so are mom and dad. How would you feel about that? I mean, obviously they hated him, but would you have just been sat there and taken take, take, take it? I don't think so. I think that, I mean, their brothers would have hated him more, but there probably would have been some fighting uh, among them. But I just think that conversation would have been interesting. But his father kept it in mind. I think his father deep down knew that it was from God because he probably heard about the first dream. I mean, this is two dreams. We're kind of having the same thing. And normally, if you have a dream like that and there's two of them, it's normally somewhere along the prophetic. <clears throat> prophetic. Um, and that's probably how Joseph felt, that he, was, that he was being shown the future by God. And I'm sure he was probably excited by that. He was excited that his brothers would bow down to him. I mean, he was the youngest. So having that power and having his older brothers look up to him probably made him feel really, really good. Unfortunately, it didn't really go how Joseph planned. Um, if you read the story, uh, it goes on, and uh, his brothers were out in the field with their flocks. And his, brother say, or his father says, hey, go bring some food out to your brothers. So he does, he brings them out food, and when they see him coming, their jealousy and rage just takes over them, and they decide that they're going to kill him. Uh, Reuben, who is his older brother, steps up, says, no, let's not kill him. Instead, let's capture him and throw him in this ditch here, and we'll leave him there over the night, and we'll just eat without him. So they do this. They capture Joseph, they take away his coat, and they throw him in, in this giant ditch, basically. So, you know, Imagine if you were Joseph at this point. You had told your brothers about the dream. They were going to reign over you. And a few months later, now you're just sitting in the bottom of this ditch. I mean, if you think this dream is from God, you're probably sitting there thinking, how is this going to happen? My brothers have thrown me in this ditch. Who knows what they're going to do to me? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a, oh, okay, go sit in this ditch. I'm sure it was a very violent affair, you know? And while he's sitting down there, I mean, I'm sure he's got all kinds of thoughts going through his mind. Oh, hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. But this was a really low point, I think, in Joseph's life. And it was really just the beginning. And when I read this, I really kind of identify, as I was thinking about it this week, you know, what was going through Joseph's mind as he was sitting in this ditch? 
You know, for those of you who have heard my testimony, I've had a pretty low point where uh, when I was told I couldn't go in the military, I was sitting out behind a, a cafeteria by myself, and man, I was just, I was heartbroken, I was devastated, I was angry, you know, and I think Joseph probably felt some of these th- same things. He was heartbroken, he was devastated, he was angry, and I mean, that was my dream, and I'm sure Joseph's thinking, okay, God, what's going to happen to my dream? Um, but I, I find it really interesting that as I read through this story, he never complained. He never, you know, said, God, why me? You know, he was never really down on himself. Uh, and as I'm going to show you, he really took what came with him uh, with a lot of courage. Um, you know, so his brothers ended up selling him to slavery. They sell him to some passing uh, slavers, and he gets sold into slavery in Egypt, which is a long way from where they were. And, you know, as, as he's being, I can't help thinking that he was kept thinking, why is this happening to me? What's going to happen now? I'm going away from my family. You know, I'm probably never going to see them again. I'm sure he had a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And I think when things don't go the way we plan and some bad things happen to us, we feel the same way. You know, what's going to happen next? How can I get out of this? You know, I mean, and it wasn't his fault. It was completely up to his, it was completely his brother's fault. However, there's an interesting twist. When Joseph was sold into slavery, he didn't complain. He wasn't bitter. But instead, he used his circumstances, and he, he worked hard. Um, in Genesis 39, 2, 6 through, I'm going to go to 4 instead of all the way through. It says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he's prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And as when his master saw that Joseph was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favors in the eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted his every care, his care, yeah, his care, everything he owned. Um, and if you go on to read it, it says that Potiphar didn't worry about anything. So Joseph was sold into slavery, is sold to Potiphar, who was the Egyptian captain of the guard. And he worked hard, probably above and beyond what most slaves would be. He worked hard, and he was put in charge of uh, the household, and everything he did prospered. You know, even he was in this terrible, terrible situation, and he didn't give up. He worked hard. And that's something I haven't done myself, but I see a lot of you guys doing it. I see you guys working hard in situations that aren't ideal. And it gives me a lot of courage seeing you guys do basically what Joseph did. You guys don't give up. You guys push through, and you persevere. Um, and, he, and even when Joseph was on top, you know, he had uh, everything, you know, and he, with everything, he never got prideful about it, you know. In the story, you read it, Potiphar's wife actually made moves and advances on him and tried to sleep with him, and he rejected her. You know, being the head of the household, he probably could have gotten away with that, but he chose not to. And because of it, he was actually punished for it. Yeah, he was sent to jail for it. His, his Potiphar's wife framed Joseph, uh, said that he tried to rape her, and he got thrown in jail because of it. I mean, I feel like sometimes that happens to us, too. We get put in terrible circumstances, we work hard, and we're still punished for the good we do. Um, Genesis 39, 20-23. This is after Joseph is thrown in jail. <clears throat> but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those he held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. 
Behold, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in wherever he did. So this is the second time you see Joseph's world fall apart. First time was when he was with his brothers, sold into slavery. He, gets, he fights back and gets back on top with the grace of God. And then he's thrown in jail, which is another very low point in his life. But he doesn't let it dampen his spirit. He doesn't let it, you know, curse his faith in God. Or curse, he doesn't curse God. He doesn't lose his faith in the Lord. And I think through it all, he's still holding on to that dream he had. The dream of, you know, one day I'll be with my family again and that they will, you know, bow before me. I will see them again. Even though it's almost impossible for him to see it in a jail cell. Even though he's doing well, you know, I personally, if I was there, I wouldn't be able to see it. You know, I'd be like, oh, I'm in jail for something I didn't do. Oh, woe is me. You know, we all have those, those thoughts when we're in dark circumstances. But I like that he never gave up, never complained. And it says again here, God was with him. I find it so encouraging that even in our darkest times, that we don't, we can't see what's going to happen, but God is there with us. And he causes us to thrive and prosper. Even when he shouldn't have. I mean, uh, he was in jail. I, I know I've had experiences like that when I started this new job here. I did something stupid and I should have been fired for it. But because of the grace of God, I didn't. And, you know, a couple months later, I got a promotion. So, so, I mean, when God is with you, it's, it's impossible to fail. It really, really is. So Joseph's in jail, and he's in jail for a little while when um, Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt, throws two of his servants in jail. He throws a cupbearer and a baker in jail. And uh, he knows them. He's over them. He probably has conversations with most of the prisoners because he is one. Uh, And one morning, he comes to them, he sees that they're depressed, and he asks them what's wrong, and they say they both had dreams. So he asks them about their dreams, and they tell him about it, and they ask him to interpret it, um, and he says, don't interpretations belong to God, which I find, I find really interesting because he's had dreams, and he's seen these other people had dreams, and he could probably try and give them what he thinks they mean, or, you know, try to walk through them in, in their Egyptian mythology and try to figure out what they mean. But he understands that the interpretation belongs to God, that we don't necessarily see the whole picture. We see through a very, very narrow, focused lens, you know, and it's filtered by, you know, who we are, what we've been through, uh, how we perceive life. And Joseph was probably thinking that about his dreams, but he knew that God had the whole picture. Um, and I also find it really, really interesting that he also didn't say, oh, don't pay attention to your dreams. They don't mean anything. You know, he was at a point where, out of anybody, he probably could have said, hey, this dream means nothing. You know, they're just dreams. They're just figments of your imaginations. They don't have any real meaning. But he never said that. Um, so he prays to God, and he gives each of them an interpretation for the dream. The cupbearer is going to be freed in two days, and the baker is going to be put to death, and it happens. And when the cupbearer leaves, he tells him, hey, don't forget about me. I'm here because uh, I was framed. I didn't do anything wrong. Tell Pharaoh about me. And the cupbearer says, yeah, yeah, I will. But he forgets. Um, So Joseph's in jail for about two years. He's ruling over it. He's doing well. Um, Then after two years, this is in Genesis 41, 1 through 8, When two full years passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. 
After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. <clears throat> In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. So Pharaoh has these dreams, and it's, it's, when you read on further, they really, really bothered him. And he gathers all his magicians, wise men, and he says, hey, someone needs to tell me what this dream is. Uh, he offers them riches. He offers them fame. And none of them can do it. None of them have the ability to interpret this dream for him. So then the cupbearer remembers Joseph and tells Pharaoh about him. Uh, so Pharaoh's like, I want to meet this man. Bring him to me. So they bring Joseph to him. Uh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you heard your dream. You can interpret it. And I cannot do it, Joseph replied. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. He knows deep in his soul that only God can interpret dreams and only God can make them come true. So Joseph tells Pharaoh about the seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. So he interprets these dreams saying that Egypt's going to have seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Uh, he also recommends that Pharaoh put someone wise in charge of Egypt to collect grain during the years of plenty so they're not going to be... So yeah, so they're not going to starve during this, the harvest. Um, so Pharaoh rewards him by actually putting him in charge of this. He says, well, you're the one who interpreted the dream. You're obviously wise. I'm going to put you in charge of this. And Pharaoh makes him second in command of all of Egypt. The only person in Egypt of the higher ranking than Joseph is Pharaoh. Um, so that's three times. Three times Joseph is sold into captivity. He has terrible things happen to him. And three times God was with him and allows him to rise up above his circumstances. It allows him to, he kept going, he never gave up, and he thrived. I mean, when you're put in charge of all of Egypt, back then, in this time frame, Egypt was one of the biggest and most powerful nation states in the world. It was three times he trusted God above his circumstances. Three times he never lost faith in his own dream. And, you know, after this point, I mean, he's wealthy, he, ha he gets married, he has children, He's living on top of the world, but he still hasn't seen that dream come to fruition in the way that God promised him to it. And I really like the fact that, you know, I feel like when God gives us dreams and we see how they are and we get through certain points, we have this tendency to settle for what we think is good enough. And we don't truly push for what God has for us. Um, so now that Joseph has all this, he finally starts to see his dreams come true. So Joseph's in charge of everybody. Uh, he starts saving the grain from, from their harvests over these seven years. And it says in Genesis they get to the point where they have so much he just stops counting. I mean, that's, that's blessing and abundance above all. <clears throat> so that happens during the seven years of plenty, and then the seven years of famine come. So when the seven years of famine come, it doesn't just hit Egypt, it hits everywhere, all the land, including all the way back where his parents and his brothers live. Uh, so one day, uh, Jacob, who is their father, tells them, go to Egypt and buy some grain for us. 
So they go, and they go to Joseph to buy grain. Thing is, they don't recognize him because he's been gone for several years. He's dressed up in Egyptian attire. He's speaking their language, and they don't recognize him, but he still recognizes them. He knows who they are. And at this point, I think he really had a choice. He could have been arrogant, proud, and forced them to bow to him, tell him, hey, I'm, your bro- or I'm the king of e- or the vice regent of Egypt. Bow down before me. He was a little tricky with it, but he was humble. He didn't force. Well, no, he, he wasn't mean to them. Um, he sees who they are. He knows who they are. He tested their hearts. Thank you. That's a good way to put it. Uh, what he does is he sells them grain, but behind their back, he puts their silver back in their, in their um, satchels. Yeah, thank you. Um, and sends them on their way. Uh, so they leave, uh, and then the next night, they open up their satchels, realize they have all of their silver. Um, I don't know, I lost my spot. Okay, so uh, as reading it, I think they, they had a little bit of a guilty conscience when they see this because they thought, oh no, we have our silver, it's still in our bags. You know, if we get caught, we could be put to death for this. And at one point, they even say, oh, this is because of what we did to Joseph. So I think that they had a guilty conscience of it. They were, I mean, Joseph was there for probably, you know, 10, maybe even 15 years. And this entire time, his brothers are walking around with that guilt. Um, so they go back, uh, Joseph sends out his, uh, servants to get the brothers, count them in the act, and he brings them back. Uh, they have a long conversation, and he says, they find, Joseph finds out that he has another brother, a younger brother named Benjamin, who he's never met. And they say, all right, I'm going to keep one of the brothers here, go, and if you want to buy grain again, come back with your youngest brother. So they do, they leave, they go, uh, and they tell their father what happened, and their father's like, well, I'm not letting Benjamin go, who was the youngest brother. He, he's my youngest son. He's my only. I'm not having another repeat of what happened to Joseph. So he's, he's very adamant about that. Uh, some time passes, and they run out of food, and they're like, well, we need to go buy food. So finally, Jacob re, uh, uh, resents, not resents. Um, yeah, he reconsiders and, sell, and tells them, very well, bring Benjamin. So they do this, um, and when Joseph sees them coming, he actually invites them to his personal house. And at this point, his brothers are really, really scared. They're like, oh, he's inviting us to his personal house. You know, he's going to kill us. What are we going to do? So he brings them to his house. They have dinner. Uh, Joseph gets really emotional when he sees his brother, uh, and he decides to test his his older brother's hearts to see if they've really changed. Uh, So what he does is as he gives them their new grain, he puts his silver chalice in Benjamin's uh, satchel. So that would frame like he was stealing it. So they leave, uh, and a couple of days later, he sends his servants out, and they find, they find Joseph's brothers, and they find his silver chalice in Benjamin's bag. And his brothers are like, no, we can't let this happen. You know, take us instead. Our father would be heartbroken. 
And they all go back to Pharaoh, or to Joseph. Um, so they go back, and they start begging. I mean, they're on their hands and knees, crying and begging him, don't take our youngest brother, you know, take us instead. And at that point, Joseph realizes that, one, their hearts have changed. And two, he sees them bowing before him, and his dream came true. And it wasn't in the way he expected to it. It wasn't him being standing tall above them, being prideful, being a king. It was him seeing their, them with a changed heart being humble before him. And I think it really broke him because he finally does reveal to himself. And yeah, he confesses everything to them. And I mean, he's crying when he does this. So they go, they return home, they get their father, and they all come and live in Egypt. And this is really kind of what I want to hint or hit home is, um, first off, on the way back to Egypt, uh, Joseph's father has his own vision, his own dream. And this is found in Genesis 46, 2-4. And God spoke to Israel in a vision in the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. <clears throat> Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. And I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. This is um, God reiterating the covenant he made with Abraham, that I'm going to make you a great nation. No. <laughs> Exodus. Yeah, that happens like several hundred years later. Anyway. Yeah. So God is reiterating the covenant he made with Abraham. And he did it in a way that was really impossible to the human standard. I mean, he used Joseph by getting him sold into slavery, being put in jail, and eventually rising to second in command of all of Egypt to save his brothers. So they all come down, and his parents bow before him. They get their own land. And Joseph finally sees his dreams come to fruition, and it was a way he never expected you know, and I feel like that happens to us a lot. Our dreams get fulfilled in ways we don't expect. You know, when I was sitting in or sitting outside in the cafeteria having my dream crushed, you know, I knew God had something better for me, but I couldn't see it in that moment. Um, you know, and now down the road, you know, 10 years later, God's giving me more dreams, but they're not coming to fruition the way I expected. And then that's a good thing, honestly. You know, when I went through my deliverance experience, I had it prophesied over to me that, you know, I was going to be a pastor, I was going to shepherd people, and in my mind, I was thinking it was the same thing as my dad. You know, I was going to be the head of a church, it was going to be, you know, meeting with people, and it kind of is, but it's not the same. For me, it's become being with you guys, starting in deliverance ministry of myself, and while it's not the way I envisioned and the way I really wanted by trusting and following God, it's actually probably going to be better. You know, it's going to be in ways I can't even imagine. Uh, and it's going to bring a lot of healing to people. And he's going to use me in ways I wouldn't have expected. So the, the thing that really hit home for me is that, you know, even though it didn't come to the way he wanted, he never gave up. You know, even in my times of waiting right now, you know, I find it difficult sometimes not to get impatience or frustrated or that the things I want happening aren't happening, you know, but 
I really like when it says in Proverbs 16:9, it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And I think it's, yeah, there you go. It's really, really true. We can make our plans and we can have all these different plans, but ultimately only God can open the door for us. Only he can lead us through these doors and into dreams and expectations that were far beyond anything we expected. So God may give you a dream, but he may make it happen in a way that is completely different than what you expected. And I want to leave you with this last verse, also found in Proverbs, just for Isaac. 3, 5 to 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I think the real key to seeing the dreams we have come to fruition is submitting to God. And it might be difficult. It might require us to give up things that we don't want to give up, to step out of our comfort zone and do things we don't want to do. But in the end, if God's telling you to do it, it's because he has a plan and he has a reason for us. And it goes back to his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I mean, he knows everything that is going on all the time and it always will. We only see this little, little picture. And if we finally step into what he's telling us to do, it might have, it'll have that chain reaction effect that we couldn't even possibly conceive. So I just want to leave you with that, that if God's given you a dream and you haven't seen it come to fruition yet, or he's given you desires and you haven't seen them, or you don't see how they'd be possible, I just want to tell you not to give up because they will happen. And it might not be in your timing, but it will happen. So I'm going to pray us out and we'll get to small groups. So dear Father, I thank you for giving us dreams, for giving us desires that are unique to who we are and who we are in you. And that we can have faith that you will make these dreams happen, even if it's not a way that we understand, but you want us to prosper, you want us to thrive, and you want us to be happy. You delight in us because we are your children. And I pray that we have the faith and the courage to step into your dream and trust your ways.